This is On The Grid, powered by theracetalk.com on mypodcasthouse.com. G'day everyone and welcome to another episode of On The Grid here on mypodcasthouse.com or on the Radio Show Limited's RS1. Thank you for joining us for another big show. Lee Holdsworth to join us shortly, the truck assistant racing driver. We'll find out uh, how he thinks he's been going over the last couple of weeks heading into the first race at Townsville this weekend. Scott Pye's been doing extremely well for DeWalt Racing. A couple of podiums up in Darwin. We'll have a chat to Scott and we'll also speak to Supercars Guru that of course is Mark Larkham to join us as well to talk about his thoughts on Supercars at the moment. Mark Walker to join me with Richard Crowell for a chat also but first of all Let's get straight into the news. And Scott McLaughlin's hat-trick of victories at last weekend's Darwin Super Sprint has seen him extend his lead at the top of the Supercars Championship to 177 points. McLaughlin passed the career wins tally of Peter Brock and notched his 50th Supercar win and also claimed the Territory 2.0 trophy for the most points scored across the event. The two-time defending champion was ecstatic after the weekend, paying tribute to his team. I love it. love the people, love the track. Um, and I love it when my car is like that. Uh, that's hands down probably the best car I've ever driven. Just all weekend it was just um, so solid and good start and then able to use our tyres and what we wanted to do. And, um, yeah, so proud of everyone. They worked so hard behind the scenes and... Um, yeah, everyone back at home as well. Just really proud of everyone. Jamie Wincup remains second in the Supercars Championship despite a frustrating weekend in Darwin, finishing second, sixth and seventh across the three races. Wincup bemoaned his performances in qualifying, twice starting on the fourth row of the grid in Darwin. Despite this, though, he left Hidden Valley with the third highest points tally. There was better news for Shane Van Gisbergen, who moved into third in the championship after results of eighth, second and fifth. Supercars will now move to Townsville for a doubleheader across the next two weekends, with McLaughlin and Scott Pye predicting high tyre degradation to be a major factor. The Reedpard Cirque includes street and parkland areas of track, which will provide major contrast to the low degradation experienced in Darwin. Scott Pye has told On The Grid it will be a challenging weekend for all teams. Yeah, exactly, and you know, I talk about how important prep is and everything and what we've been focusing on and already we're seeing like the the longest stint we're able to really find is around 28 laps on a set of tires so you know we're looking at 39 laps on the weekend so it'll be interesting to see what people do whether the two tires or four is going to be uh, a must um how long you go um whether you go short long you know you guys mentioned what we did on the weekend um by going long it's going to be um you know that that first race there could be someone that really uncovers um, the the format for the rest of the weekend, the strategy for the rest of the weekend, because uh, yeah, if someone gets it right straight away, you're gonna, you know, everyone will cotton on. So um, our prep right now is extremely important, so that we can try and ensure we're the ones that get it right first crack. Um, but yeah, the the tire format, uh, there's not going to be enough tires to do four in every race, so there's definitely going to be, um, you know, a mix and match, and and uh, yeah, I think the high deg is uh, is great for for the fans back home too. Scott to join us shortly on the show. Cam Waters and Jack LeBrock have become the first drivers to arrive in Townsville ahead of this weekend's NTI Super Sprint event. The Tickford drivers were welcomed to Townsville by members of the support categories with up to 40 competitors expected in each support category across the next two weeks. Although back-to-back doubleheaders loom as gruelling work for the drivers, LeBrock explained he's relishing the unique opportunity. 
Uh, it's pretty unique and cool because uh, for us going to this weekend, we've uh, we tried a whole bunch of stuff going to the weekend with the car, uh, but then the opportunity to come back the following weekend is uh, was pretty cool for us. We can uh, build on what we found with the car and just try a different setup approach. So um, yeah, for us, it's going to be pretty cool. And the engineers, um, yeah, we're supposed to be working pretty hard to improve the car week to week. The prolonged stint on the road also has the ability to wear down drivers, but as Cam Waters explained, morale has remained high within the Tickford group. Yeah, the morale in our team has been really good, so um, it's been good to see. Um, at the end of this, we're either going to be really good mates or going to hate each other. But um, so far, so good. We don't hate each other. Um, for myself, I've actually been really enjoying being on the road. Um, I don't have really much family. I do have family at home, but um, yeah, still... You know, calling them and whatnot, and I got my girlfriend with me anyway. So for me, it's been like a big holiday, so checking out all the local um, scenic things to do. Um, yeah, the, the bit that hits home is all the guys facetiming their families at home, and you know they got little kids at home, and um, got a few pregnant wives and stuff like that. So it's definitely tough on the guys, but um, saying that, they're all sticking together, and morale's very high. Waters and LeBrock head into the weekend, fifth and sixteenth in the Drivers' Championship, respectively. The Sydney Morning Herald has reported Seven West Media is set to sign a five-year deal to broadcast the Supercars Championship on free-to-air television. The deal would come into effect from 2021 and follows the decision by Channel 10 to relinquish the rights after this year's Bathurst 1000. The report also states negotiations with subscription service Fox Sports are ongoing. Formula One team Williams has sold its business to, US, to a US private investment firm. Williams announced in May they had entered into a formal sale process with Doralton set to have the full backing of the board and team founder Sir Frank Williams. In their statement, Williams expressed Doralton have no intention of changing the team's name or moving from their historical base in Grove, Oxfordshire. Racing Point team principal Otmar Safnauer believes the FIA's upcoming crackdown on car copying will have no impact on his team's business model. Racing Point were found to have copied the design of Mercedes's 2019 brake ducts, resulting in a 15-point Constructors' Championship deduction and a £400,000 fine. The FIA have announced stricter rules will be in place next season, although Racing Point are allowed to continue with the ducts this campaign. All 10 Formula 1 teams this week signed onto the new Concord Agreement, settling on the terms under which they'll compete until 2025. The agreement, in conjunction with the technical regulations due to be introduced in 2022, is designed to reduce the varied financial capabilities teams currently possess. With a budget cap also due to be in place by next season, more teams can theoretically aspire to race wins and podium finishes going forward. And Nico Hulkenberg has declared he has no desire to take up a Formula One reserve role next season, stating that he will be looking to find a full-time drive in 2021. He's been linked with Haas and Alfa Romeo after his short stint with Racing Point at Silverstone last month. The German telling local television he's not expecting any more reserve drives this season and that he'd see a, a reserve role as a backward step that would make no sense to him. KTM rider Miguel Oliveira claimed his first MotoGP win in dramatic fashion on Sunday, claiming the lead in the final corner of the race. Oliveira trailed Paul Spargo and Australian Jack Miller for much of the race at the Red Bull Ring, but had the last laugh over the Can he hang on here in the Red Bull Ring? Can he keep the cap? He's got the rugger. Here comes Paul Spargo over the crest.
down the head, the break is over turn nine. We Spyro's right. got the inside line. Here Can comes he keep Jack, he's up the inside. Oh my goodness, he's all there. It's all on the line. Jack goes up the inside. The chip is going to Miller's second consecutive podium finish sees him sit third in the overall standings, just 14 points behind leader Fabio Quadraro. And other notable events came on the 17th lap in that race. Maverick Vinales abandoning his Yamaha at 215 kilometres an hour down a straight following brake failure. The resulting crash saw a red flag enforced with Vinales later criticised for not employing new braking material advised by suppliers Brembo. Brembo supplied the materials anticipating problems on the hard braking circuit. Vinales later revealed he'd escaped with just a minor shoulder complaint. Japan's Takuma Sato claimed his second Indy 500 victory on Monday, Australian time, finishing ahead of Scott Dixon and Graham Rahul. Sato's win, however, took place in controversial circumstances, the race finishing under a yellow flag following a crash just five laps from the finish. The decision not to employ the red flag ended the chances of a challenge to Sato in the finish for Scotty Dixon, who led for 111 of the 200 laps, IndyCar defended their decision to continue the race, stating there weren't enough laps remaining to enforce a restart. And FIA President Jean Todd has thrown his support behind a Formula One return to the Indy Speedway. Todd was on hand to witness the first Indy 500 under the new stewardship of Ron Jopensky, saying he was very impressed with the management. The US Grand Prix was held at Indianapolis between 2000 and 2007, but difficulties in the 2005 event has seen it in Austin in recent years. And finally, congratulations to our old mate Greg Rust, whose podcast Rusty's Garage celebrates its 50th podcast today with Eric Banner as a special guest. Banner speaks out about a lot of things on the podcast, including his acquisition of a XB Falcon Coupe, The Beast, which he nearly wrote off in the Targa Tasmania rally. I remember a wet, cold winter's night driving over to St Kilda to inspect the car and... <laughs> We pulled up outside this dodgy apartment building and, and there was no one there and then this this white coupe came around the corner sideways <laughs> and and the guy pulled up and it was that, that was the car and he I'm not sure if he was sober at the time but judging by how many hits the car had had um, I think he had a bit of a bit of a checkered pass but yeah that's that's how it started we took it home and my grandfather who was living with us at the time took one look at it and said to me you shouldn't have bought that. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, being the um, you know the German perfectionist that he was, I think he had a, had an eye for how much trouble it was gonna gonna bring me. Um, but I just loved it, mate. I just you know it, I, I still to this day can't believe how crap that car was when we bought it, given the fact that it was probably only about twelve years old. You know, it looked like a fifty-five year old car. Um, th- this thing was done. This this thing was was one of the most unstraight, faded, white coupes you've ever seen in your life. So that's when it, where it all started. Check it out at Rusty's Garage on the Podcast One Network. 
let's get straight into our show with thanks to NTI and, of course, Manscaped. We're there 24-7 as Australia's number one truck insurer. We're there to provide mobile plant and equipment operators with industrial strength protection. We're there to provide roadside assistance and insurance to truck owners, no matter what, no matter where. We're there to protect marine customers by providing solutions that cover their world. We're there as NTI, Australia's specialist insurer. Well, there's the ad that'll be playing loud and proud across Townsville for NTI and driving the main NTI car or the truck assist car, of course, is Lee Holdsworth. After a uh, an indifferent Darwin, I would say, Lee, welcome on the show. Thanks, Shabek. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm still continuing my journey around Australia at the moment. <laughs> now on my way to Townsville, so I'm in Gladstone at the moment. Um, little stopover with the family, so uh, we're breaking it up. Oh, that's fantastic, mate. How has it been for you the last four or five weeks on the road? Tough. Uh, oh, it, it's better than being in Melbourne, that's for sure, at the moment. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, like, we, we all understand why we're here and, and you know, we, we want to keep the sport alive and, um, you know, we, you know, it's a business and we, we've got to knock out as many rounds as we can for the sponsors and everyone at the moment. So, um, you know, it's, it's very tough. Uh, it's been tough being away from my family for four weeks, um, let alone, you know, some of the crews that, have their family still in Melbourne um, for now. They've been away from them for seven weeks. So um, that's been really tough on them. And yeah. uh, fortunately, Rod, um, the, the team boss, Rod Nash, has forked out some dough to, to get everyone's families up um, in our crews. So um, most of them are, are reuniting in a couple of weeks after the Excellent. quarantine period. And, um, and then they'll be able to see their kids and wives and girlfriends all again. And it's really good. And, and that's what, Really, uh, we need to to keep this thing on the road for another, uh, you know, six or so weeks or whatever yep. we've got ahead of us before Bathurst. Yeah, exactly right, mate. I said at the start there an indifferent Darwin. Uh, week one was probably your poorest week so far this season. But version two point zero for the whole Tickford outfit, including yourself, everything just seemed to really lift. Yeah, not not quite to the level that I wanted it to, but um, uh, yeah, we we really. Had a bit of a bogey uh, last the, the the first Darwin weekend, and then we did make some really good changes for last weekend Darwin 2.0, as you put it. Um, but uh, yeah, didn't quite nail it. I think we ha- we had opposite problems to what we had at the first round, so we probably went a bit overboard on on what we were searching for. Uh, but yeah, we, we feel like we've we've probably found a few more tools. Um, in the setup toolbox to, to work with now. We've opened up a bit more of a window and um, and I think now that, you know, we've got a week to, to sit down, or not so so much me, but the engineers are now in Townsville um, looking over all the data and um, and making sense of it all because I think we, we got some good stuff out of that weekend even though it didn't really uh, go to plan. Four weeks of racing. Uh, how has it been or how is it going to be? Uh- an amazing, it must be an amazing thing for something that you, you're definitely not used to. It's crazy. Um, I, I've never done a, I don't think we've ever done a back-to-back round. Um, maybe we have, but um, it's just, it just seems so crazy when, when we've been up in Darwin. We, we went there to race that first weekend and then we were told we can't because there were guys that were yeah. coming from Brisbane and Darwin had declared Brisbane a hotspot. So then we were there for a week and a half before we actually started racing. But then the following weekend, um, 
the last weekend we were there, it was just, it just felt like we'd been there forever and it felt like we'd done four in a row already. Um, so mentally it was, it was really quite draining, I think, especially with the way that it's that quick fire sort of format now. Um, there's no time to, to recover or, or rest or, um, or reset. So it's just from one, one session to another. And, um, I mean, it's quite enjoyable, but it goes, you know, at the blink of an eye. And, uh, and then you think on the, on the Sunday, you do a race and you think, geez, I've got to do another one of them in, a, in about another hour. <laughs> um, but uh, look, it's, I, you know, the thing that I've seen is the, the second um, round of each, each event um, at the same location has been a massive lift um, in performance for each of the drivers and, yeah. and the crews and, and how, how close the field was for Darwin 2.0 was just unbelievable. I think it was the whole field apart from um, 24th spot on the grid. I think the, the uh, first 23 cars were separated by six and a half tenths in qualifying. Yeah, it it's amazing. just unheard of up in Darwin. So, um, you know, the, the gap at the first weekend, I think was just over a second. So, you know, people pick up, um, you know, how to, how to tune their cars and the whole field spread is just so much closer the second time. The other thing that I would assume for the majority of the drivers, if not all the drivers, would have been the, the heat and that short break of trying to get that recovery between a race, especially on the Sunday where you only had that one hour, as you said, you really didn't have time to sort of get the core temperature down before it was back up again. Yeah, we, we, had, the, we had the ice bath working overtime. Um, so, you know, in between each session, we made sure we'd jump in and spend five minutes in there cooling down. But being there for a little bit of time before we actually got to the first event, I think probably helped us acclimatise. Yeah, okay. And um, uh, I did a lot of training up there in the heat, which, you know, if we're in Melbourne training for, for Darwin, it's very difficult to sort of train for those, um, uh, those conditions. So um, in terms of preparation, fitness-wise, I think it was ideal to be training up there and, and having that time. And um, yeah, but, but I felt that, it was more so the mental side that was the hardest part. It wasn't yeah. so much the heat, even though we experienced it was 34 or 35 degrees on Sunday um, and, uh, and, and a lot hotter in the car, obviously, over 60 degrees in the car. So, um, but yeah, handled it quite well. And I think everyone sort of did. I think everyone's probably in peak fitness at the moment because doing these rounds one after the other, um, you know, you, you keep up your race fitness, that's for sure. Yeah, there's no doubt. Mate, before we let you go, you're in a... A weird situation this weekend, I suppose, for the fact that uh, you drive the truck assist car. It's one of the many products that NTI offer. But you won't be doing much, if any, sponsor engagements throughout the whole weekend due to the hub situation. Yeah, it's it's really strange for not having sponsors around. And, you know, we had some crowd in Darwin and we're going to have some up in Townsville, which is just fantastic to see some people back at the track and, and lifts the atmosphere and... Um, lifts the whole vibe of the thing. So I'm excited to get to Townsville and see that. Um, but yeah, not having the sponsors there is, is quite strange, especially, like you said, having this weekend um, as, as NTI's round, um, you know, truck assist uh, would have had a massive presence up there. Um, so yeah, it's going to be strange. But uh, look, all we can do is give them the results on track. That's the way to pay them back. So we'll be doing our best to do that. Yeah, definitely a final one, mate. Uh, Ty Deg going to be pretty high in Townsville, normally is. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I think it'll be better racing than Darwin. Um, 
Yeah, I like the I like the mixed tire compound uh, events. I think it creates a bit of a mix up and a bit of unpredictability. Um, I think we're there's a bit too much predictability at the moment when we run with the same tire. So, yep. um, yeah, but but Darwin certainly, you know, that's one round where. Uh, strategy plays a big part, not just not just the tire itself. So, um, you know, when you pit, when there's a safety car, it all you know makes the uh, makes the result mixed up at the end if um, if you have some of those variables. So, um, yeah, looking forward to it. I think we've got pretty good tire life, so uh, we still need to find a little bit more, and um, and hopefully that'll put us in a position to fight for a podium. Good on you, mate. Wishing you all the best for this weekend and uh, the team in the Truck Assist Mustang. Thanks, buddy. Good to speak to you. Lee Holdsworth joining us here on The Grid. This is On The Grid on mypodcasthouse.com. Okay, time to bring in to the show as we do every week, Richard Crowell from theracetalk.com. Hello, Crowley. Jebexter, are you well? I'm excellent. Thank you, mate. Excellent. Really looking forward to the show. We just had a good chat to Lee Holdsworth. Uh, looking forward to our first guest with you here. Of course, he's the man of knowledge. Whenever we switch on our television coverage, we'll probably watch more television coverage for supercars this year than we ever have in our entire yeah. life. We speak, of course, of Mark Larkham, who joins us on the line now, live from his farm. Hello, Larko. Hey, guys. Crazy Tony. Nice to uh, join up. I don't know about man of knowledge. Um, simple bloke <laughs> from out on the farm is probably a better description, but I'm flattered. <laughs> Mate, thanks for jumping on. Appreciate it. Just... Um... You just got back from Darwin as we talk on Tuesday night. What's your takeout from the last two weeks of madness up in the top end? Um, well, you know what I was, you know, as you'd probably expect, we have a bit of a, a post-race debrief and uh, I was having a really good chat to Crompo this morning and I said, um, and, and you know, as many people may not realise if you're watching the telecast, they're, they're in Sydney in a studio. We don't necessarily publicise that too much, but for all the, the COVID reasons we're aware of, and then we're on the pit lane and, and trying to stay connected like that is pretty hard. But we were talking about, mm. you know, I, I tried to put my, I guess, my punter's cap on, and, and i got to say, and, and, and get that perspective, and i got to say, I really enjoyed the racing on Sunday. I thought, you know, kind of the Scotty period is the Scotty period. But behind that, I mean, I'm, I'm just enjoying the, you know, I, I don't know if emerged is the right word, Richard. It's more just the inclusion, I guess, of, you know, of, of Team 18 with Charlie Schwarkholz boys and, and Tickford being well and truly in the mix. You know, Brad Jones' team uh, consistently sticking it in there. You know, I've I, I got to say, I'm really enjoying the racing at that level has been great. So, uh, um, and, and my great fear for the weekend, running two events week to week, as we know, teams get very smart very quickly if you give them the same thing. Um, and I was worried how it might have played out, but I was pleasantly surprised we got some really good racing. Yeah, I agree with you. And if anything, going back to backs allowed teams like BJR to bounce back, and, and the Team 18 thing is the the ultimate. I, I, I actually thought of you and, and thought of what your reaction would be in pit lane with uh, Mark Winterbottom and Shane Van Gisbergen in that final race, because I reckon that's the best exchange we've had all season so far, mate. What Just properly hard, Elbows out to ring car racing, which is just what everyone who watches the sport wants to see. Mate, that's a, that's a really good pickup, Crowley. In, fa- in fact, as soon as I finished the telecast, first thing I did, I walked right down the other pit lane. So I wanted to go and see the boys down there at Team 18 and shake Charlie's hand because I just love it, you know, from a team owner point of view. Um, and, and the Jones boys personify this. 
but Charlie's another one. You know, he puts his own money in there, loves the game, and I just love seeing when they get rewarded for that. Um, Mark Winterbottom. Um, I mean, what describes that guy? Tenacity, um, endurance. Uh, you know, it's it, it just so good to see him back in there. And I, I said to both of them, you know, long, we've waited a long time, probably nearly a decade, to see Mark Winterbottom taking it to Shane Van Gisbergen. And yeah. what a thoroughly enjoyable, you know, grudge match that was. The, the funny thing about it, and I hope the stewards and Bairdo aren't listening because I love <laughs> the fact that they let it go. Uh, yeah. and, and maybe we can talk about this another time. But what, one of the great attributes uh, of Craig Baird in that role uh, of driving standards uh, advisor uh, and, and his influence on those around him from having been a race driver that was involved in a bit of kerfuffle occasionally, which is why he's the right guy for the job. Mm. Um is that if you go back through the record of stewards' hearings for the last couple of years since he's been in that role, the amount of times he's not play on, I think is brilliant. I think it's really good for the sport. Uh, and there was another example. Because my, why I raise that is that if I was sitting around teaching a whole bunch of young race drivers what a bump and run looks like, <laughs> which is illegal, um, yes. couldn't find a better example than that. <laughs> so, mm, yeah. so that's yeah. the funny bit, but but it's kind of cool because it was it was let go. You know, Gizzy was doing a little bit of defending, maybe over defending. Um, I don't think it was too bad um, because your defending doesn't entitle you the right to bump and run. So a little bit naughty, but the fact that Shane then at the next corner didn't choose to try and take him out or bump into him was I think a big message that he accepted what happened because he is a racer. Uh, and they raced on. So I say tick, tick, and tick. The other thing from that, uh, Mark, is the fact that I think what I've actually loved is the speed of the decisions as well. We've had five-second and 15-second penalties just handed out within a minute of the incident. So everyone actually knows where they stand. Yeah, and look, I can tell you, Beto's already told me up at Darwin, it's particularly difficult. He doesn't have all the Hawkeye tools that he usually have uh, and, and camera angles and bits and pieces. So he's, he's a little bit under-equipped and uh, full credit. They knew uh, some time ago one of the big things for this sport, just like when we watch a football game, is the ability to make a decision wherever possible within the game. Uh, the fans want to see the result at the end of it. So, uh, you know, we all know how ugly that Bathurst was in, incident was a few years ago. Um, so, you know, I, I, you know, again, full marks. I think we're really starting to get that era of the sport right. And just on topic, I mean, uh, pit lane drive-throughs are slowly becoming a thing of the past. And, you know, I often say to people, for listeners that, you know, watch other sport, is that, you know, when, when you get a pit lane drive-through penalty in our sport, and let's say back in the day it was for a jump start where you gain 200 millimetres of advantage and maybe picked up one yeah. position, by driving through the pit lane, it's the equivalent of grabbing... Uh, an AFL side at three-quarter time, put him in the dressing shed and say, don't come out again because your day's over. Mm. You're gone. So, you know, the, the, the punishment's got to fit the crime and the sport is well and truly headed down that route. So that's pleasing. There's no doubt about that. I think also the, the sport is well and truly heading down the route of getting some personalities back into it as well. I think one thing that we've seen out of this year, more so than any other years in recent future, is that we're actually seeing... Guys speak their mind. We get, we're seeing a little bit of rivalry coming back into it. The whole thing that was the, the prime 
focus of the sport back in the 90s and the 2000s when you were banging around in these things is starting to come back in and it's really nice. So it's a really good pickup, Tony. Um, can I say this weighs heavily on a lot of us that endlessly talk around, you know, around and about the sport and trying to improve it. And you guys are part of that group, I know. Richard's always got good ideas. Um, as is evidenced by the website, mate, it's always a cracker. Um, Thanks. The, 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 what, there's a couple of things going on here, isn't there? So just to go back to even in my own era, so there was, I reckon there was a lot more outspoken folk back then because yeah. um, and Larry Perkins, Glenn Seaton, Mark Larkham, Brad Jones, Crompo, although he wasn't a team owner, he managed a team. So we're all team owners, so we had equity in the sport. Therefore, your views on every matter were more meaningful and more profound, and you spoke them up. Now, as time marched on, and I moved away from being a team owner driver to just a team owner, then I employed drivers. In those drivers' contracts, obviously, started to emerge things around disrepute and bringing the team or sponsors into disrepute because I wanted to you know, protect those. So as we've gone 20 years forward and more PC and disrepute and all the hoo-ha that goes on in the world, more media coverage, much more scrutiny of all of that in social media, we've very much dulled down the voices. And as I think you've just alerted, we very much need to turn the volume back up. Now, at the same time that all of that's happened, we've now not yet lost, but we are, it's just factual, we are in the process of potentially losing the very foundation upon which this has been built, which has been Ford versus Holden. And all the rivalry that goes on, not just at the track or track side, but also in the hardware stores, the work sites, the supermarkets of Australia, is going to be dulled down. Now, that's just a fact of life we're going to deal with. So that says to me as a sport, we need to be pretty rapidly thinking about how we ramp up that same amount of vigor, vigor and rivalry between combatants and, 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 and sorry to harp on about it, but I think this is a really important point you've raised here. Um, so, so how do we invigorate heroes and villains? How do we invigorate a little bit of intensity uh, between teams? Cause remember this with, with footballers, for example, I mean, I don't know how crazy, how many are in a uh, AFL code? If you include reserves, 600 players, 500, 600, uh -huh. I don't know. What for the for the entire competition? Yeah, it's about seven hundred and twenty actually in total. Yeah, yep. There you go, Tony. There you go. Sorry, I should have asked you the question in the first place. Obviously, shouldn't I? He's the voice of the, of the G. G. <laughs> uh, so, so there you go. That vibe. so we've got twenty four drivers. Right now, mm. we typically like F one or any premium motorsport category in the world change one or two drivers per year at best on average. So the same twenty three, twenty four drivers. Stay at the same hotels, travel in the same aircraft, buddy up on the pit lane, go here and there everywhere. So I reckon it becomes more difficult to, you know, strong word, but to hate someone, to really dislike yeah. them, because you're going to be in an awkward lot of situations with them an awful lot of the time. Um, so, so I think, that, you know, I, I don't have the answer how you deal with that, but it's just a reality. But the other one, you know, what I would, what I think a good thing for the sport to be doing maybe right now is we need to drag everyone into a room team owners, the key sponsors, the drivers at the same time, and the media, the key media people. And talk about strategies to invigorate exactly what you just alerted to, Tony. How do we how do we get a little bit of, you know, biff and tuck and a bit of 
you know, not bad language, but, you know, just just sometimes a bit less love, a little bit of antagonisation and all that stuff that we kind of love that'll get some column inches and get some interest going in the sport. But doing, doing it in such a way that, uh, you know, that, that sponsors are almost giving a little bit of consent that they're not going to, you know, let's ease off on the disrepute clause. Yeah. Let's 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 not step over the line, but geez, let's go up to it a bit more. Mm. Yeah, like it. I, I I thought a great, uh, almost an example of that was Chaz and Nick in uh, the the first race on Sunday uh, last weekend, like when they were bashing into each other, and they had a lap and a half of side by side brilliant racing, and ultimately Chaz caught Nick in the bumper and turned him at turn one. And they had a bit of it, said their feelings afterwards. It was great entertainment. And then at the end of the day, they're like, oh, we've all moved on. But while it was happening, it was pretty intense and, and everyone sort of said their feelings. Um, one thing I wanted to touch on with you, though, Mark, was your, your role with young drivers. And this isn't something you ever talk about. So I'm putting you on the spot here. But you've had a, a lot of involvement with several young drivers in our sport in, in helping their careers, in suggesting ideas of where they go, what they do. And I know one of those was Anton Di Pasquale. You must have been stoked a week ago when he grabbed his first supercar win after 70-odd starts and finally got that first win, showcasing all that talent that everyone that's followed his junior career knows that he's got. Yeah, thanks, Crazy. Uh, appreciate that, mate. Yeah, and, look, and, and as you know, Paul Morris has had a lot to do with his career in the, mm. in the more recent times. So, uh, uh, you know, nothing I did, mate. The guy is a talent. I just... Um, was looking to develop a you know a, a small academy to work with some some drivers that I thought had some potential and I eyeballed Anton I think it was back in 2011 or 12 uh, mid year Formula Ford he'd done really well in state championship he stepped up at the end of that year and did a couple of national rounds really really showed how good he was um, had a couple of chats to him he was still you know, barely in his school uniform and just just was clear that this kid had the, the stuff that it took and. And by that meant he had self-confidence at that age and it was really obvious and, and, and whether this is right or wrong, and I spoke at length to his parents about this, but he was not gearing himself for a career in anything else in his life other than being a race driver. And that's the level of commitment I think you've got to see. Now, that can all go pear-shaped if you don't cut it because I think Anton would make a terrible superannuation salesman. <laughs> but... Uh, but 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 he's just committed. He, he just never saw it as anything else. So so yeah, I, I got very close with him in the early parts of his career, and um, it was you know, and it's not just on track. Yeah, there was a lot of on track and data and all that sort of stuff. But there's so many facets that that any young race driver needs to understand. And and, and look, and if I'm honest, Crowley, we still lack something like this in this country. And for me, it was just a bit unfortunate as I was putting my thing together and I was getting momentum. Was exactly the same time. Cams were doing the Formula Four thing and launching launching all of that, so they were obviously trying to grab all the uh, the young aspirants and feed them into their system, which is that's absolutely appropriate and fine. And that was probably bad timing for me to try and go, you know, almost head to head with them on on, a, on an academy level. Um, and and in hindsight, they're sort of now we don't really have much at all. And you know, you think about what any young aspirant needs and. And when I work with even, you know, drivers in and talk to drivers and parents now, they're often blind to the raft of things that you need to understand to succeed at this level because it's yeah. it's not just race craft. It's ability to put yourself around good people. It's the commercial acumen. It's the communication ability. 
Um, it's the marketing savvy. It's your own brand. It's how to manage your social media account. It's your fish, fitness, your mental aptitude. It's so many things to succeed. And, you know, who's the guy at the top of our tree at the moment? Scott McLaughlin. Does he do mm. all of those things really well? You better believe it. You know, yeah. maybe yeah. fitness was one thing over the years that we was lacking a little bit in. Bang, it's on the money. And let me say this to you, application. So I leave Darwin the other night, right? And this is to take nothing away from any of the drivers. And some of them may, may not have seen, but an hour and a half after the event, most of them, as you would be, were in their thongs, packing up, cleaned up, going or gone. As I walk out, last tent right up the back behind the Shell V-Power truck were two blokes sitting away from the sight of anybody, Scott McLaughlin and Ludo. Yeah. Still in a debrief, a really close one-on-one alone debrief about their weekend. Says it all. Yeah. Yeah, it, it does. does. I think the other the other interesting thing, Larko, was that he was up at three the next morning while some were probably still staggering back from the nightclub um, on the radio hookup with Team Penske following their Indy 500 campaign. And, and he's spoken about that in the media since. So already thinking ahead to what's next and being tuned in with that program, which shows his level of commitment. Um, th- my next question... Hang on, Krasi, let me pull you up on there. Did I hear something about shouting the bar and were you hanging around like a bad smell because you knew that was on? Well, no, I, I was on Twitter going, hang on a minute. Scotty said on the broadcast, I think it was it to you or AJ said, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to go and shout the bar tonight. And I was like, well, that in Darwin, that's a pretty expensive proposition, right? <laughs> oh, I thought, I thought you'd be up there in a flash, mate. Free beer. Oh, mate. It's the first Darwin I've missed in a decade and I missed it. It was terrible, but I'd, I would have been there in a heartbeat. Mate, you know, racing car drivers and team owners. They're the last people to get their wallets out at the bar. So um, 100%. I would have been there to take advantage of that. Um, my next question, I'll keep it really short because we don't want to keep you too long, mate. We, we're really appreciative of your time. You touched on the, the Formula 4 thing. That's now gone. Australia's back in a vacuum now as far as young driver development from a, a category point of view. Really quick, what do we do? What, what, what's the next stage for Australia to, to keep pulling these young guns and do what Formula 4 did so well for so long? Well, I still think the answer lays there, mate, and I'll be as brief as possible. Mm. So I think Formula Ford still is it um, because you can jump out of, uh, you know, and I say to anyone that is a genuine aspirant, you, you don't, not to, I, I shouldn't say don't do senior karting, but if you're in senior karting, you're waiting too long. If you succeed or successful at junior karting, state level Formula Ford, you'll do for less than what you're spending on your karting with a good team. That'll get you a CAMS license and into the system and onto tarmac. From there, national level Formula Ford. And because we've had so many young people at Formula Ford level succeed over the years and go on with their careers, and there's a reason for that. To take nothing away from Formula Four, I think it was suitable for Europe and European type categories. For Australia, the beautiful thing about a Formula Ford, low horsepower, right? So you can't drive off a corner. There's two ways to get around a corner. You either set your car up correctly or you use driving technique or a combination of the boat. So you learn both things. The great thing about a Formula Ford, springs, cambers, casters, roll bars, front and rear, rake, squat, dive, all of the geometry elements around a race car and how to use the race car are there and adjustable. So you learn, you learn, you learn. And you're at a young age when you're like a sponge and you take it all in. Now, if you give that same car no adjustment or very little adjustment, a slick tyre, and aerodynamic downforce to mask up some of those issues. That's all very well if you're about to step out of that into European uh, Renault Formula 2 or F3 or whatever it might be. 
But if you're going to step out into whatever it is in this country, which 99.99999% of the people are, because for me, if you want a European or an F1 type of salt, you need to be on your ass, on your bike, and gone early in your career, like after cars. Get out of Europe mm. like Danny Ricardo did. That's what you've got to do. So, um, so Formula Ford is the right formula. It's affordable. And what I like about the affordability of it from the state-level Krause is that at the same time you're learning about shock springs and how to carry speed and momentum in a corner without horsepower to drive off a corner, you're also learning the same level of growth on a similar trajectory in the commercial sector. So, you know, 40 grand, 50 grand, 80 grand, 120 grand, 150. It's not an instant jump to 250 grand. So you learn to get, you know, a couple of free sets of tyres off your local T-Mart, how to get free fuel off your local free supply, how to do a contra deal with someone to get a few bucks here. Your mum and dad can chip in a bit of money if they want it. You know what I mean? So you learn the growth of the commercial sponsorship side in concert with the learnings of how to drive and prepare your race car. So, mate, I'm a big fan. And then I think the bigger question is what fills the void between Formula Ford and supercar. We're starting to fill some of those holes now. Probably a little bit more work to do. So that's my view on it. It all makes yeah. too much sense, Larko. It's, uh, <laughs> it, it'll, it'll happen one day. Mate, a final one from me. We've had two weeks of uh, driving up in Darwin. Two weeks coming up in Townsville. Four weeks straight of racing supercars. Guys have never done it before. What are they going to be like when we get to uh, the first week of September and the final racing of this four-week stint? Most of these blokes will be spent. They will be, you know, and let's just use this quick opportunity to acknowledge the reason that all of us are in employ at the moment around our sport is because we manage to keep putting on events and putting those events to air. And that's, um, and, and Tony, I know you're asking about drivers, but I just want to point it at the, no, well, no, maybe no, you are talking about the teams as well. The, yeah, yeah. The, the teams, because there's a lot of those Victorian teams at the moment that are keeping all of us in a job because those poor buggers, as we know, um, they headed off to Sydney Motorsport Park a week out before that first event, mid-June or whatever it was, uh, and they're not going to see their families until the end of uh, you know, mid-October. The sacrifice is enormous. But because at the same time we've got these new, you know, apart from the data-restricted rules and the two, pit gun, uh, two guns on the pit lane and the two guys on pit lane, um, we've also got you know, the, the 11 performance people uh, across two cars rule now in play. So it's a it's com, kind of a and being up there for each of the weekends it's it's a tighter knit group of people and and even I know myself there's a few more human discussions going on um, mm. and and I think that's kind of cool and and spirits they are quite high I think the intensity of racing Tony is keeping everyone distracted and yeah. I can tell you if that intensity of racing wasn't there I reckon we would have a problem because it is tough it's really tough on those guys a lot of them have got young families. But the sheer intensity of racing, they are races. Um, and you, you wouldn't pick it on a race weekend. But, but seriously, mate, my, my heart and thanks goes out to all of them because they're keeping me in a job. Yeah, no, exactly right. And, yeah. and to me, it's the reason why we have to finish at Bathurst because otherwise they just would have been on the road for way too long. And I can't see it going past that. Got to get them home, mate. Got to get them home. And, and, and to his great credit, Sean Seaman Supercars know that. And, and they'll do... Uh, whatever they can to uh, to get them home straight after that. So uh, you know, and that's a that's a decent a decent old stint that a lot of them you know they just won't get that time back with their 
with their family. So, mate, I, I, I genuinely do dip. And, and there's some others in amongst that. You know, even my mate, my commentary mate, Scaife, which a lot of people don't realise this. So he had to bail out as well because he's Victorian. He's been up mm. in New South Wales, away from his two little yeah. girls and his boy, uh, Mitch, down there in Victoria, and his wife, who works down in Victoria, um, as a sacrifice so he can do the commentary for the supercars. I mean, and that's, that's not three weeks. That's months. Yeah, and uh, uh, seriously, Jess, I, 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 I actually have guilt when I think um, I'm fortunate enough to live in Queensland, so I've been able to go in and out of the venues, uh, flying and out. But I don't for a minute, like many of us, and I, and I think the fans are saying, I hope don't miss for a minute the, the sacrifice these people are making um, to, to, to bring the racing to our tellies each weekend. So um, first-class effort by everyone concerned, really is. Yep, great stuff, Larko. Thank you so much for your time, mate. Really do appreciate it, and hopefully we can do it again soon. Always happy for a chat, boys. You keep the wheels going around. Well done. Thank you, Mark. Mark Larkham joining us here on The Grid. And, of course, over the last few weeks, you've been hearing us talk about Manscaped, and they are the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Good news, Manscaped just launched in Australia. We've gone years without using the right tools for the job, and you can be one of the first to experience their life-changing products right here in Australia. That's why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. The Manscaped engineering team spent 18 months to perfect and improve the lawnmower to 3.0. That's right, the lawnmower 3.0 trimmer is here. Their third generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents. And when I tell you this is premium, I mean premium. The battery lasts up to 90 minutes and the LED light which illuminates grooming areas for a closer and more precise trim is absolutely amazing. They've upgraded to a 7,000 RPM motor and it's time to think of your junk folks if you're listening to me speak right now i want you to experience it firsthand for yourself trim that junk of yours a great offer available for all our listeners get 20 percent off and free shipping with the code my podcast house at manscape.com your balls will thank you that's right 20 percent off and free shipping with the code my podcast house at manscape.com get on there get the free shipping Get the 20% off. It's time to shave those balls. All right, Crosby, time to speak to a bloke. He's had a pretty good few weeks uh, at it, especially with some, uh, yeah, with some podiums to his name, which is fantastic. And the team's going well. It's all pretty good out there at uh, Team 18 and DeWalt Racing. And Scott Pye joins us for a chat. G'day, Scott. Hey, how are we, guys? Excellent. Thank you, mate. It has been a couple of weeks, hasn't it, for you guys? Yeah, it has. It really has. It's been um, even the, the whole two-week period in Darwin. I mean, both both weekends for us were pretty successful. I think, you know, getting my first podium was was nice with the team uh, in the first of the, the doubleheader. But um, to back it up, you know, I think we felt in the first first event there that we had good car speed. But uh, to back it up then on, on the weekend with the standard tyre format was was really good. And it's, it's, you know, given everyone a real boost in confidence. So three podiums in six races is a pretty good strike rate, mate, especially for Team 18 who have been creeping up on it for a long time but hadn't quite got there yet. So from a team perspective, very satisfying. But the thing that grabbed me, Scotty, was the way you tuned it week to week. And when you rolled into Sunday last weekend, your race pace in that second race, especially when you stayed out long, 
and I was watching the guys who had put new tyres on in their pit stops early, and you were only two to three tenths a lap slower than they were as they were blazing through the field. So your race pace was really exceptional, especially that second week around. Yeah, it was. I mean, the first, the very first weekend um, on the soft tyre in the race where we got the podium, we realised that the tyre deg was really low. And, uh, and then we, we obviously... Um, that weekend we just didn't quite have the qualifying speed so even though we had used the soft tire we still didn't maximize really what we could have done on the tires we had left I mean Anton qualified really well um, and he used two sets of softs in the first day we only used the one so there was no real excuse for us on the first weekend not to um, come out on Sunday and do a good job I wasn't really using the tires as, as our excuse I think we just needed to focus on our qualifying car for the second weekend and, and improve that and um and I think we did that. I think in, our, in the first weekend there in Darwin, our race pace, um, we weren't really able to show, but it was actually very good. And I come off the back of that weekend feeling pretty confident about it. Uh, but then, you know, during the week, we, we spent a lot of time on, on um, things we needed to improve on, what our strengths were, really actually analysing that and making sure that when we came out, we, we had no real um, false idea of where we stood. We had a, a pretty realistic look at, outlook on things. And, um, and then even, uh, so Saturday's race, I overheated the clutch um, in the second of the two Darwins and, uh, and stalled. And then to come back through, I think we finished 13th. Yep. So, you know, with no safety car and be five seconds off the back of last place, um, I mean, the safety car had to, had to uh, stop not to pass me on the start line. That's how bad it was. So to come back through to 13th there with no real help showed our car speed. Um, and there's a few people that did notice that. Like I got some texts from, other drivers, Shane being one of those, um, and obviously they can see our data and everything, and, and he saw what our pace was like on the Saturday, and then we just backed that up on Sunday. Um, the thing that probably impressed me most um, with with Phil and the, and the crew is the first race on Sunday was good. You know, our car speed was, was okay. I think it was probably pretty strong, but then for the final race, we knew we were probably only being realistic we were probably fourth fastest um in that in that third race in the second race in darwin and for the third we decided to try again and and try and break into that um top two or three pace and i think we did that you know we made some big changes for that final race on sunday um and if if not for nick Perkat, um not not any disrespect to him his pace was very good and deservedly on the podium but i think if i could have you know qualified higher than eighth um, we would have been a lot closer to Scotty Mack at the end of the race. Um, I think within within four or five seconds of him would have been um, a big improvement rather than 14 where we finished behind him. Strategy obviously plays a big part in these weekends as well. And uh, it was great to see the strategy you guys played in that first race on Sunday to stay out longer. And that kept you in a fantastic position. Frosty also did the same in the second race. He became fourth. And I'm just wondering, were you surprised not to see other teams try your strategy more so in that third race because everyone still seemed to go for those early stops rather than actually roll the dice and see how they go no not really i mean the fastest way is split split it down the middle Um, but it's really just depends on traffic and for us um i went long in the first race on saturday um where we finished 12th i mean saturday was probably that was probably um as strong or, or not stronger than the second race. Everyone obviously saw me in the second race get the podium and, and have strong race pace, but our first race was probably, for me, the strongest um, for the weekend other than the third. Um, so, yeah, long long works well, um, providing the clean air appears in front of you. Um, but then in the last race, I went short um, and we actually, you know, we jumped the guys that ran long 
Um, so I think with us, we had our race pace that was there and it meant either strategy worked for us. So, you know, Frosty went long in the, in the last race um, and we actually still jumped in by going short. So I think it just showed our, our race pace. Like for me on car 20 particularly was really, um, yeah, it was, it was impressive. I think our car was genuinely very good. So um, it's unusual to have everything go your way and be able to snag, um, you know, multiple podiums in a weekend, let alone two in a day. But um, I was really proud of everyone to be able to capitalize on having a quick car um, is a really satisfying feeling because there's plenty of times you come away from a weekend where you just, you know, you could have got a trophy and you didn't quite execute on all the levels, but everyone did, did an amazing job on the weekend. Uh, there was a lot made this year, Scott, about Team 18 expanding out to a second car and you joining that team. And we spoke in the preseason about the potential for having two cars, yeah. obviously better than one. Um, it seems like that's paying off. And you mentioned Phil and from an engineering standpoint, the team's really got itself together. So clearly there's something building there as this season develops as crazy a year as it is. There's something building yeah. there with the three of you guys and, and everyone in that team working together and developing as you go along. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, having a fast teammate like Frosty really pushes me to lift as well. And, um, you know, I think uh, we, we saw that even on the weekend with I qualified third in the first race. Um, he was fifth. And then he straight away bounced back with a third and bumped, bumped me in the second one. So, <laughs> you know, it's like, that's exactly what you want. You need both of us to be pushing each other. Um, and, uh, and that's what's going to make us lift the team as well. I think, you know, as drivers, our expectations of ourselves are, are really high. We're very self-critical, I think. Um, and, uh, and, you know, when I've got someone like, like Mark, who's really quick and, uh, you know, just brings out the best in me as well. And then in the races, I mean, the strategy and everything has been something we've worked on a fair bit in the last few rounds. And, you know, for me with Phil, we've only done a few rounds together and we're only just starting to speak the same language. But one of the huge benefits I think came out of, um, our period in Darwin was the fact that myself and Phil were in the same apartment together. Yep. Um, and we talk a lot about um, understanding, you know, the, the driver and engineer relationship is so important. Um, drivers and engineers speak very different languages. If it was very theoretical, I'm a lot more practical, but you know, spending time together away from the track um, was just as important as our time at the track, you know, and making sure that um, we, really are speaking the same language and i think that's also where we saw the improvement in the second weekend as well um so yeah it's it's crazy for me being in a new team the first part of the year was really disjointed and sort of disrupted sorry mm. um but now it means we're on the road together and, and you're getting to know each other at a whole no another level and um yeah the relationships are extremely strong and for me to be this comfortable into a new team so early even though it's it's um eight months in it feels like it's very early because we've only done five events but yeah, this time on the road has been, for me, I've only seen positives in terms of our relationships. Yeah, I, I don't think you're the only one in pit lane who feels that either. I, I think there's a lot of relationships, teams broadly, but driver engineer mm. as well, that'll come out of this corona thing actually stronger than they may have had it been a, a regular season. Um, you're in Triple Eight gear. There's there's a well-publicized you know, data sharing between all the Triple Eight cars, mm. and that's obviously a huge advantage to you, but it must be nice to knock the mothership off like you did on the weekend as well. And, and both of your cars finished in front of both of theirs in race 17. Yeah. I mean, I don't, um, I don't really think about that or I haven't, I haven't said that at all because, you know, at the end of the day, like triple eight have, have consistently been at the front. Um, and yeah, it's, it's great to, to knock them off. And I definitely look at them as, um, you know, you always look at your teammate and what he's doing in the same equipment. And we do the same with triple eight. We've effectively got the same gear. 
Um, so, you know, we're not, we don't make excuses, but, um, you know, it's always great when they're fast as well, because that again, lifts up us to another level. We get to see what they're doing with data and things. Mm. Um, but on the weekend for sure, everyone should take, um, a lot of pride in, in our performance. Um, you know, it didn't, doesn't come easy. And we know that even this weekend going into Townsville now, uh, we've got to have the same approach and mentality to what we've had all year. And that's to work really hard, prepare well, and, uh, and come out and try and be stronger than we were last weekend because for sure everyone else bounces back and, and it, you know, even day to day improves. So yeah, it was great to, um, for me that the coolest thing was actually, um, holding Shane off on the Sunday yeah. uh, race two, considering he beat me in the first race on Sunday. So, um, you know, just being mates and not being able to get close enough to have a lunge at him on the last corner or last lap was a little frustrating. And then when I saw that he was behind me in, in the final race, um, I got to get one back on him. So that was cool. A bloke like Charlie uh, has been around for a while and been doing it, well, well, we'd say pretty tough for the last few years in regards to the way his team's been performing. It must be a, a real uh, good feeling as well for you guys to be turning it on and watching him smile throughout the weekend. 100%. I'm so happy for Charlie. This year has been challenging for so many people and, and um, you know, obviously we need to be resilient at the moment and, Charlie is one, you know, one of the challenges we've been faced with, which is probably one of the minor ones though, is, is not being able to come to the track. Um, and I know that that's, you know, it's hard. I mean, he's so passionate about the sport and then not being able to come and watch us in person has been difficult. And um, the first event he was able to come to was the first Darwin, which is where we got our trophy on the Saturday. So um, I've said no matter what, we're going to somehow find a way to make sure you are at every single event now, because um, you know, it's, it's important for us to have him there. Um, he shows an amazing, he's just an amazing leader um, and work ethic. And especially while we're away on the road, it's important to, um, to have him with us and, and um, you know, motivate the crew as well. But yeah, he's been, he's been a massive um, lover of this sport and been involved for a very long time. He's been very successful in the sport as well with obviously James Courtney's championship win being Charlie's license there. Um, so he knows what he's doing and he knows how to put together a good team. So, um, yeah, I'm just, I'm so happy for him that he's finally starting to get um, some results that he, he deserves. And, you know, for me and Frosty on the weekend, we had such a solid weekend as a team um, in terms of points. So um, we just want to keep doing that. And, and um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, yeah, just happy for him. Cool that he's back at the track now um, and even spending time with him in Darwin, team dinners and things like that. It's actually nice to have, have our full family back together again. And I can see that that's how he thinks of his team as well. We're, you know, one big family. So it's cool to have him, have him on the road with us now. Nice. Scotty, like many others in the paddock, you've, you've got some side hustles going and you've got a media business that runs quite successfully that you look after. I, I suppose I was going to ask how difficult it's been juggling the two of them, but everything's so remote these days that if a media business can't yeah. work remotely, nothing can. But um, I've had the good fortune to work with you and Benny um, on Porsche Carrera Cup and Porsche Motorsport this year, which has been yeah. terrific. But, but how's that going? And how has the process been in making sure you've still got that business going while you focus on the business of being a race car driver yeah well, i mean you mentioned benny and and so ben is a, a um young guy who works for me and he's been um unreal during this whole period obviously with me having to hit the road with only a couple of hours notice we had a quick briefing as to what um he was going to have in store for him in the immediate future and and really for me i don't know when i'm going to be back in melbourne i'm assuming end of october mm. um so he's been holding down the fort there but like you said i'm able to work remotely anyway so any of the uh admin side of things um i'm able to still do and um in terms of servicing clients and things ben's doing down in melbourne so um 
you know, for me, something I learned through motorsport has been, um, Sorry, guys, is that still there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, we are, yeah. yeah. Um, sorry, so through motorsport, one thing for me was, you know, you learn how to deal with partners and sponsors and things like that. And that's something I really enjoy. I love that side of, of you know, the motorsport business for myself. And that's um, what I really, I guess, that's that's what I think I value, I add value to in, in One Night Media is is dealing with the clients and finding new new business um, for One Night Media. Um, and then when you've got someone great like Benny, who's awesome at executing, it's really nice to, um, trust him and, and um, you know, allow him to do what he does best. So, yeah, we obviously work with you a lot, Krause. And, um, you know, I think this year has made a lot of businesses adapt and, and probably uh, lean up on a few things. Um, for me, I've kind of always ran One Night Media in that way. The, you know, low low um, stress and, and overheads and things for me has always been something that um, I've been aware of because, you know, going growing up in motorsport, we realise, um, you know, things don't always last forever. So I don't, I definitely don't overcapitalize. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm loving having still that separation, mm. getting home, seeing some of the work that Benny's done. Um, the clients we're working with now as well, we've been really fortunate that uh, we haven't lost any, any clients. We've actually, if anything grown um, in this period, which has been really nice. Um, but again, that's just, you know, part of all these relationships and, and things we've built um, over the, the last few years. So yeah, one nine has been a massive asset for me. It's uh, it takes the pressure off racing as well. There's no real stress there. And um, I'm able to go away racing um, and, uh, and still have that going in the background. So no, it's been, been very nice. On a associated note, and you talk about brand building, I, I thought mm -hmm. you and E series was huge. Um, and were you surprised at the level of following you gained over the course of that 10-week stretch when the E-Series was happening? You did your post-race Twitch debriefs and SVG yep. jumped on and a couple of others that became hugely popular from nowhere. And it was amazing in 10 weeks how a lot of personalities yeah. really developed in the paddock. But did you personally get a lot out of that? Because it looked like you put a lot into that whole process as well. Yeah, and I, I really enjoy, like, I, I find all of, uh, all of that stuff really creative as well. It's almost an outlet for me. Mm. And um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I don't like not being busy either. So I really enjoy even the, even the make, making of um, my Twitch uh, for, you know, I made Shane's as well, the, the assets that he had on his Twitch going and I enjoy all of that stuff. And um, I didn't really think of it too much as work that went into it either. It was just kind of fun. And we were put in a situation where we weren't going away racing anymore. And, and that became, that was effectively my job. So I took it on as, um, as professional as I would with anything else. And um, I had a strategy with how I wanted to grow my following on Twitch straight away. I, I looked into it and researched it a lot um, before I launched into it, you know, how to make it work, how to interact with the fans, how to be better than I guess um, some other people that were doing it. And I also found some people that, you know, were my favorites like Lando Norris, who's yeah. extremely creative and, and does an amazing job online as well. And um, yeah, I just, I enjoyed it to be honest. I just had a really good time with it. The fans were unreal as well. Like I probably have a whole new appreciation for that. I had some strict rules on my Twitch as well. There was no, you know, I don't, up to be honest, I don't care who your favorite driver is. Um, you know, we're, we're just putting on a show and having some fun, especially when it was on Twitch, you know, doing it, doing the E-series. It's not, um, the e-series isn't my job i'm not a professional gamer or anything like that so i just wanted everyone to come together as a community have a good time watching some racing while times were tough and uh and yeah that's exactly what i got out of it it was so much fun the fans were really supportive 
Um, we even ran some merchandise as yes. a bit of a joke off of, um, I was called the Outlap King because I was so bad on the simulator. Yeah. I couldn't do anything but an Outlap <laughs> until I crashed. Um, so yeah, I had a really good time. And, um, you know, we even had Alex Albon, Lando join me. Um, you know, Charles Leclerc came on, obviously with Shane, um, Stevie J. It was a, you know, a bunch of good people that um, we had come on and we had a really good laugh with it. And then I even ventured into the World Rallycross. So yeah. that was unreal. Getting invited to, uh, to do that was cool. Um, but for me, I just, yeah, I, I think my following did grow. Um, and on that, there was, you know, I ran mine with the webcam exactly as I am. I didn't pretend to be anything I'm not. Um, even my sister had a go at me a couple of times about losing my temper in front of my niece and nephew online. So, um, you know, people just saw me as I am and it might've maybe, you know, uncovered, I guess. Yeah. It, it probably shows that sometimes we're portrayed a certain way by the media and it might not be exactly who we are. Yeah. Final one for you, Scotty. We thank you for your time today. Uh, two weeks racing down, two weeks to go. How are you feeling? And uh, what was life like in Darwin for a three-week stint? It was amazing. Um, I mean, I love it up there. Training was easy. The weather's nice. And then um, and yeah, driving race cars on race weekends was good. We also even had some fans out there. So, um, yeah, there was absolutely nothing to complain about up there. And, uh, yeah, I think Townsville as well, equally beautiful place. So, um, nice to be on the same side of the country as home. Um, you know, I am, I am really, you know, I miss home, um, but I'm so grateful that we're away doing what we're doing and, you know, I feel for our, our teams, but, um, you know, hopefully we can continue to get them some nice results and just things to smile about. It doesn't necessarily have to be always a trophy, but some, uh, you know, nice consistent weekends. Um, but yeah, the time on the road has been good with getting to know everyone. Um, but yeah, thinking of everyone back home. And I think that for our crew members, especially it's been that, you know, that's been the toughest thing. FaceTime can, you know, can only substitute so much. So I'm excited for those guys to get home and let's hope it's, um, you know, a successful year that they can, you know, come off the back of and, and head home with. Yeah. And we had Mark Larkham on just before you, mate, and he echoed exactly the same thoughts uh, really quickly on, on to Townsville itself. Um, soft tires back again for another yeah. weekend. Um, similar sort of rules, very different style of racetrack though. With with we think much higher deg than what we saw in Darwin, so it's just going to be another sort of curveball pitched at the field, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. And you know, I talk about how important prep is and everything, and what we've been focusing on. And already we're seeing like the the longest stint we're able to really find is around twenty eight laps on a set of tires. So you know, we're looking at thirty nine laps in a weekend. So it'll be interesting to see what people do. Whether the two tires or four is going to be mm. a, a must. Um, how long you go? Um, whether you go short, long. You know, you guys mentioned what we did on the weekend um, by going long. It's going to be, um, you know, that that first race. There could be someone that really uncovers um, the the format for the rest of the weekend, the strategy for the rest of the weekend. Because uh, yeah, if someone gets it right straight away, you're gonna, you know, everyone will cotton on. So. Yep. Um, our prep right now is extremely important so that we can try and ensure we're the ones that get it right first crack. Um, but yeah, the, the tyre format, uh, there's not going to be enough tyres to do for in every race. So there's definitely going to be, um, you know, a mix and match. And, and uh, yeah, I think the high deg is, uh, is great for, for the fans back home too. There you go. Yeah, it certainly is. Scotty, thank you so much for your time today. Uh, really appreciate it and uh, really proud of what you guys have achieved uh, at Team 18 this year, just onwards and upwards, which is fantastic. Let's hope that continues to show for the remainder of 2020 and beyond. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Scott Pye joining us here on The Grid.
right, Quasi, time to bring in our third wheel for our chat segment. He was on with us last week. And I don't know why we've got him again this week, but Dale <laughs> well, apparently... I do. I can tell you this. Breaking news. So, Dale Rogers. Now, Dale is, how would we phrase this boy, the most experienced member of the On The Grid team, I think. And he's not here, so we'll throw him under the bus. But of all things to miss a, the podcast show recording for is parent-teacher interviews. Yep. Does online anyway, so he might kids have been going to school. Yeah, like, well, exactly right. He's, he's homeschooling them, and uh, he might be just having a stern word with himself, <laughs> telling the teacher to lift a bit. <laughs> now, kids, uh, you've been giving me too much grief lately. Yeah, well, your maths was rubbish yesterday. <laughs> Mark, it is an absolute oh, pleasure evening. though to have you on. <laughs> oh, look, it's it's great to be back. Um, third wheel, absolutely, I feel mm. it too. Uh, it feels a bit NASCAR, doesn't it? Two weekends down, two weekends to go, maybe more to come after that. Who knows? Wild times we're living in. Uh, obviously, everyone's trying to figure out the logistics of getting themselves from Darwin to Townsville, possibly by Brisbane, which may be a hotspot or not, which is going to cause all sorts of tears because I think a whole heap of people have come back to southeast Queensland, which is allegedly a hotspot. So that's just going to be another saga trying to get everyone back up to Townsville. So wait and see. I, I love it. I think it'll be a great little uh, chapter to the book of 2020 supercars. It's a so, big old book. <laughs> yeah. So you're off to Townsville, aren't you, to do some photography for NTI? Oh, I don't think so. <laughs> who knows? Oh, I thought you were. Oh, who knows? Who cares? I might go to QR. There's a state round on. That looks mm. like fun, doesn't it? Unless yeah. they don't let me into Ipswich. I mean... Well, oh, they'll let you in. They just won't let you out. (laughs) Oh, Lordy. Oh, well. Had a good run. Yeah, it's, yeah, funny old times. Funny old times. The the Brisbane hotspot that isn't a hotspot, but it's caution, according to the Premier. I I would have thought locking down a jail would have been easy. Yes, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Who knew that 30 of the inmates got out and spread lurgy all over the place? In the you had one job department, locking down a correctional facility, you'd think would be up there with a reasonably easy one to do. Yeah, hotel security aren't much chop, and it's clear that obviously jail security aren't much better. (laughs) Worried. The uh, this, Brisbane, though, has caused a bit of congestion, hasn't it? Over the, I mean, three weeks ago, we, of course, had the issue with the guys that were coming in from Brisbane to Darwin mm-hmm. due to what was believed to be a hot spot there with, uh, with something that went on with some uh, kindergarten or something. And then all of a sudden, two days later, they've dumped it. Now there's talk about it again. It's lack of communication that's just really upsetting everyone wow. and getting people flustered. It's like everyone's making this up as they go, Shepex, isn't it? It, it sounds like it, doesn't it? <laughs> But uh, Mark's right, though. We've, it is, we are feeling very NASCAR-y at the moment with uh, six races completed in two weeks uh, in the top end, which I thoroughly enjoyed. And uh, now we get to do it again. It feels a bit NASCAR-y. And, and in NASCAR, there's not much of a news cycle because mm. it's just review one race, we're bang, we're straight into the next Preview weekend. The next, yeah. it, it's sort of, it's a bizarre, and like, especially like we're noticing it with our website. We're not bashing up many stories because it's just one race to the next. It's uh, really upset the whole news cycle for the thing. Hopefully the ratings keep going up. We've got another Channel 10 round this weekend, mm. don't we? So that uh, should be a good little uptick there after a, a solid outing there, even though it had everything going against it with the poor time slots last weekend. So uh, fingers crossed for a good showing. And big time up there in Townsville. They've got the Danny, oh no, who is it? Um, Jeff Horn and Tim Tzu. Yeah. Obviously watched the ad 4,000 times yeah. on the weekend. 
So that's happening Wednesday <laughs> Good night. Ad, though. So big time Good ad. It's a cracking ad. Even if you don't like boxing, Fox Sports promo department, who haven't had much to do for the last six months, <laughs> have, have gone way over and above with that. It's awesome. I mean, in um, regards to ads that are out there at the moment, there's that ad, and then there's the NTI ad, which was voiced by Richard Quayle oh, for this weekend in Townsville. Oh, Very wow. close second. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's right up there, I'm going to tell you. Oh, it just misses a shot of me looking emotively out over a boxing ring, or in this case, a racetrack. <laughs> I'll work on that for the next one. But uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to this, and, and Mark touched on the TV ratings, and we predicted last week that Darwin 2 would, would struggle compared to Darwin 1 because of the circumstances. It wasn't actually ever going to be on that date. It was up against the footy in the top end. There was an election going on. Um, but from a TV rating perspective, the races were earlier in the day. And earlier in the day means less numbers, broadly speaking. Um, but the Darwin races on Fox were significantly up on the races on Fox a week before, which is terrific. So I'm really interested to see in tracking this, as we do on the racetalk.com with our Monday ratings watch column, um, what happens. And I'll be really keen to see if it builds and builds and builds over this four-week stretch, which is terrific. Um, the, what we have seen build and build and build, boys, just on a little tangent from supercars is MotoGP. They've had three oh, races fantastic. in a row. They've gone back to back to back. It's in prime time on a Sunday night on free to wear and Fox. And the last three weeks, they've each had massive jumps up. And it's been driven by a, a consistent time slot, which supercars will have. Great social media interaction with all the antics that go on in MotoGP. So it builds that hype. Um, so, yeah, I'm really interested. And bloody good racing. Well, that too. But I, I don't think there's much wrong with supercars product at the moment no. either because... Certainly the Sunday of last weekend was, was entertaining motor racing. So hopefully that continues. I reckon just replay the, the Chas V Percat stuff just a couple of times this week and fire in the, um, the Frosty VSVG a couple of times on socials. That'll draw people in. That's the kind of stuff we want to promote. We, uh, we spoke about it with Larco before, Mark, about the personalities coming back into the sport this year. Probably more so we've seen it than we have in, in the past. And that's all we really want is that we just want – uh, you know, he's a shit bloke or we want something like that to come out. Uh, you just need us. We don't need a punch up as such, but just a couple of words. Uh, Nick Perkett's uh, been a punching bag and he's got pretty quick wit about him. So that's been good value. Uh, lads, what do you think of the whole Barry Ryan tear up there on the socials this last weekend? Uh, a bit of, bit of who cares? Who cares? I, I, I tend to agree with the doctor in that I thought it was poor form to mention that about a, something that was going on in regards to a team sponsor. Uh, I think teams do really tough in regards to getting sponsors and keeping them. So when you've got another team ragging out a, a sponsor's event, I think that's probably a little bit of poor form. But otherwise, it, I, I don't mind it. I don't mind if there's a little bit of bickering between the teams. They, it was an interesting weekend because that uh, typically was supposed to be Erebus's big weekend and mm -hmm. you know, David Reynolds, 14th overall at his best circuit. So uh, there's a bit going on there. I mean, it, obviously they're on the road. They've been away from home for a long time. Reynolds is missing his engineer, which has been well documented. But then you've got just down the road from them, Team 18, who have absolutely stepped up to the plate there last weekend. And they showed Triple Eight what to do with their own machinery. Uh, the data sharing stuff between those triple eight spec teams is pretty good. Like those guys will know exactly what the big team are doing down the other end. I'm surprised after that first day on weekend that triple eight didn't step it up for the second weekend because they had all that data to go off of essentially six cars. 
because they've got the team Sydney cars. I'm not, I'm not sure what they're contributing to the <laughs> to the brains trust there. But anyway, even between Team 18 and, and Triple Eight, I really would have thought Triple Eight would have stepped up, especially with Jamie winning that first weekend, but it just didn't happen. They were second and third for the round, so they were up there, but mm. they got absolutely smoked by Scotty. And yeah, that but... uh, 17 mob really did bring their A game. Yeah, Scotty's just in a different race at the moment in, in a very even playing field. The interesting thing about Erebus, Mark, and it's a good point, is that it's not just the fact they didn't perform in Darwin. It's that 18 months ago, they were probably the third team on balance, weren't they? Behind yeah. Shelby Power Racing, Triple Eight, and it was Erebus. It's Reynolds was there just about every weekend in the mix, contending, pop up for a win, grab a pole. But not only are they now not the second best Holden team behind Triple Eight, but they've been jumped by Team 18, as you said. Nick Perkat from Brad Jones is consistently in front of them, and Nick's been outstanding this year, as we've talked about. Tickford in front, but even... Kelly Racing on one lap pace. Andre Heimgartner has outqualified Reynolds quite a few times this year, and Andre's doing a super job, even though they've been battling, and that's been well documented too. So they've gone backwards in quite a chunk, and you only have to drop two tenths in this field to go from being third or fourth to seventh or eighth. And we saw 20 cars covered by 0.5 in qualifying, I think, the second quality session on Sunday for the second race on Sunday. So it's hugely competitive, but they haven't taken that step forward that all these other teams have in this condensing of the supercars midfield outside of car 17. And that's another factor to think about when we're talking about the arrow and whinging about the arrow and it's hard to overtake. Did we ever consider that the whole field spread by half a second? So mm. you're actually trying to overtake cars that are going the exact same speed as you. And yeah. that is hard. Yes. We don't talk about that. What we talk about is the aero stuff. The aero stuff, oh, it's too hard to overtake. Of course it's hard to overtake because the guy in front of you is going the same speed as you. Mm. Yeah, hence the tyre thing, which is the whole reasoning behind this mix, the A, yeah. the mixed tyre, and, and B, the soft, which goes off. And, and we just heard from Scott Pye, and he's pretty convinced, as everybody is, that it, it's going to be 25 laps out of the 39 or 40 at Townsville this weekend, and you're done. Um, so there's going to be some people out on their feet in tyres, and that's what's going to promote the racing. But, you know, Winterbottom had better tyre than Shane Van Gisbergen in that final race on the weekend, but not markedly so. Mm. Found it hard to pass, but in the end got passed, and it was a really, really good fight, but it wasn't a free overtake either, which I think has been some people's criticism of the mixed tyre stuff and that it was just too easy and quote-unquote fake racing, which I don't support, but... I think we've got, we've got to be careful, yeah, too, really to good. the extent that... And people who are naysayers in regards to the mixed tyre races and are saying that it's doing harm to the sport, you've yeah. still got to have this car speed to run with the tyre. And Scotty Pye proved that car speed is just as effective as a tyre on Saturday, in the, on Sunday in that first race, when he led for such a long period of time on old tyres, guys who were running on new tyres behind him were only going at pretty much the same speed. They weren't going much faster than him. So car speed still becomes your number one asset. New tyres are just a massive benefit. Yeah, yeah. And, and you being on a soft against others on a hard is fine, but it's only going to mask you having a shitbox for so many laps. Correct. <laughs> if your car's yes. no good, it's going to burn them up quicker than someone with a really good car who will look after them a little bit better. So... So looking ahead to this weekend, she's all softs all the way. There's no mixed tyres for these next two weekends coming up. It really has been a very, very happy hunting ground for 
Jamie Winkup up there. The Goats had 10 wins out of the 23 races contested to date. Mm. There's only ever been four teams that have won in Townsville. Triple Eight, Tickford, DGR Team Penske and Walkinshaw and Dreddy United. And it's been Triple Eight most of the way. So it has been a a really excellent track for those guys. Uh, McLaughlin does have the best average starting position up there. But he hasn't oh, been so on polls. Yeah, no, right. <laughs> but he hasn't been on polls since the first race of 2018. So he's missed the last three polls there in a row. So he's going to have his work cut out for him to uh, come good. Obviously, he had that coming together with Reynolds at the start of the Sunday race last year, which uh, made that quite interesting. And then they had rain as well, which is something that we've never seen before in Townsville. Well, it's one thing I did want to bring up, and we're talking about contenders and pretenders to the outright battle here and, and as it has been for a long time it's been DJRTP and T8 right at the very front though Triple Eight's had a bit of a yo-yo this year which has been odd and we've seen the likes of Nick Perkett pop up. Tickford Racing they're an enigma wrapped in a quandary at the moment aren't they because on times they have really really good pace but then they're anonymous and they had a better weekend last weekend than they did the first Darwin no doubt about it they found significant improvement and Cam Waters was good. But watching Tickford and watching WAU and the progress that they're making with Chas Mostert at WAU and, and Adam DeBore, do you guys think that, that there's a missing link at Tickford at the moment? And Lee's been going well. Cam Waters has been going well. JLB chipping away in his first year with the team and Courtney getting up to speed. But they're, they're missing the ace that is Chas Mostert, I feel. Um based on the performance that Chaz is getting out of Walkinshaw and Ready United, who's a team on the rise with a rookie co-driver. Thoughts? Uh, I mean, Waters was just as good as Chaz last year, I reckon. Mm. In a lot of cases, there wasn't much between those two to be but the remember lead we're pulling, different guy. We're pulling DeBore out of the mix as well. Yep. And we all know how important the engineering side is. A hundred percent. Yeah, it's hard to say, but yeah, I, I honestly don't know what to say there because it has been a yo-yo. It is difficult. Um, and obviously Courtney's still coming up to speed with Brendan Hogan. And that was a very quick car before JC got into it. And JC will have his input into how that's all working as well. So, I mean, don't forget that they had the new uh, shock this year too. So they've had to change a lot of the development focus to the anti-roll bars. Apparently they keep, you know, paratizing, paratizing away and they have to find different things to try and tune the car with and the anti-roll bars where it's at at the moment. So that's where a lot of the technology is. And it seems to be very, very sensitive to the different tires and the different circuits. And this weekend's going to pose a different drama again, because it is the bound, it is the roughest track on the whole schedule. It is absolutely rough as guts, even though it's 70% permanent track uh you have where it crosses over there under that sweeper around the back part of the circuit and it's real bumpy there it's real bumpy over the curb so it's a totally different challenge again it's almost a bit like adelaide which was an absolute lifetime ago so (laughs) who's going to come out on top i've got no idea i'd say triple eight but you would have said that last weekend too guys out of the first half of the season if we can call it that uh, at this point in time probably even a little bit further uh, on from there now, what have we seen in these first few months, these first few race meetings that we've run for the season that we know will change life for 2021? Define change life. In Well, for supercars, not as we know it anymore. 
So we had supercars oh, okay. as it yeah, was I, last I year. Um, We've got it this year. What will change to make well, last year's not next year? The the eleven people per team thing will stay in perpetuity. Yeah, I'm sure. Maybe parachute a few more in for Bathurst, but they've functioned fine with that many people. Now no one's bananaed a car up yet, so we don't we haven't done an all night rebuild to see how that works. But from a logistics and a cost point of view, taking a group of people away. The, the, one of the largest expenses this whole show is the travel and getting things across com- country flights, accommodation and all that. Now, obviously they're burning through it this year because they're on the road, but minimizing people on the cars, I think will stay in perpetuity for a long time. And the two day race meeting thing, especially at events that supercars promote themselves, I think yeah. will stick around and it might get to a point where they just lump a whole heap of support categories on the Friday. Now they've tried this before but they've always snuck in a, an enduro driver session or a rookie practice or something like that, which defeats the purpose of having a two-day race meeting if you're still running a third day. Um, they've proved that they work. No problems at all. From a TV perspective, they work. They're still rating really well. For operationally, they've gone really nicely. So I, I think the two-day race meeting thing as well. Will so, so the argument there would be you'd have predominantly a support category day on the Friday, a mixed day on the Saturday, no, and then predominantly no, or, a supercar. Or, or, don't, or you won't run as many supports, Shebex, you just yeah, won't run Friday. Yeah. Um, either way, it's, it's the thing. Where supports are good is they underwrite the race meeting. So they, they yes. inject, invest or inject capital into the event for the event's bottom line to make it work financially better. So there, there's always a balancing act between having enough support categories that help pay the bills for the weekend to giving the main game cars enough track time and more importantly, TV time to tick the boxes there. So there's an act, but, but two day race meetings will work. So a Winton, a Darwin, maybe Perth, Tassie. Yes. Tassie, yeah. Those, those ones will be, I would have thought two day race meetings moving forward. Mark? I, I like the idea of more two day race meetings. Like we waste so much time and effort and money doing yeah. Fridays bash around for two 45 minute sessions to achieve absolutely nothing. We're not achieving anything. No, there's, there's and, too much practice. And it has been hard to fill some of these support category slots around the place where mm. you have Hyundai XLs. I love Hyundai XLs, but that really probably shouldn't be an undercard thing last year. And mm. it was. And you, you have trouble trying to fill the undercard at all these places. Let's just keep it quality. Who's mm. watching the TV on a Friday anyway? Like, that's a lot of expense. I, I mean, I'm sure it ticks a box for for a bank counter at Fox Sports somewhere to say that, oh yeah, we've got 25,000 people watching on a Friday that wouldn't normally be here. But that's a lot of effort and expense to go to, to get minimal return on, on your investment there. So I'm happy with more two day meetings, run them back to back, run an event at the bend, go next weekend to Malala. Do it. Yeah. Uh, Fuel. Definitely keep, that looks like it'll probably stay out. I would have thought too. Well, if we never see a fuel drop talked about again, there'll be a lot of happy people. I yeah. think uh, that, that doesn't need to be a thing in the race anymore. Yeah. I, I would have thought you'd see, you'd see more of what we've seen in the last few weeks with, with the soft tires, limited tire numbers, I think maybe be another thing that sticks around because I think that's worked really well. So, all right, guys, you've got three races, you've got five sets of tires. Good luck away you go rather than having the ability to throw new rubber on at every pit stop or a really good set of used tires. But that fuel drop stuff, it just goes back to the days of when the thirsty Nissans and Mercedes yeah, were out there running around needed anymore. Yeah. That to paratize the field by having this silly fuel drop that was unnecessary. Yeah. So 
now that it's gone, all the cars are still running around out there in the same figures. So there's no disadvantage to anyone. And if you get rid of it entirely, then it's, it's still fair for everyone. Yeah. yeah, very much so. Hey, guys, we uh, we should say congratulations to our old mate, Greg Russ, too. We played a grab in the news segment. He's podcast, Rusty's podcast on Podcast One and their network. Uh, comes up to his 50th episode. He's got a ripper of a bloke in Eric Banner, who's been around motor racing for a while now. And we ran a grab earlier about the the acquisition of his EB Falcon Coupe, the beast, and how he came about that. But uh, talk, I believe, also, Richard, the fact that uh, he could be back involved with the Bathurst 12-hour. Uh, it's an uh, XB Falcon Coupe. The Trebex Ford fans will be riding in. Um, very nice car. But, uh, yeah. Sorry, look, what did I say? EB? EB, yeah. Sorry, my fault. 1993, Dick Johnson Racing. That's all right. Um, easy to be confused. Um, yeah, look, Eric, he's a, he's a super guy. Um, loves Mount Panorama and, and a couple of Bathurst 12-hour starts um, to his collection, of which you can read about in the new book that's uh, on sale now called oh, Going yes. Global, the 10-year history of Australia's international endurance race. It's available now at the bookshop.v8sleuth.com.au. Um, if it's, if it's gone global and if it goes viral, does that mean it's a pandemic book? <laughs> Stop it. No. Uh. No. Bad, bad, <sighs> bad, Shebex. Look, it's cool. Uh, yeah, in part two of the Rusty's Garage episode, he talks to Greg about not coming back to the 12-hour, but wanting to have a crack at the six-hour, okay. uh, the production car race, which will hopefully be running in November this year and certainly back to Easter next year, which is terrific. So uh, Eric's a huge motor racing fan. Uh, he's a ripper bloke, global superstar, and uh, yeah, very, very cool guest. And congrats to our mate Rusty, who does listen to this show, I understand. Um, well done on 50 eps of Rusty's Garage. Rusty is the nicest man in all of motorsport. By far. Correct. By yeah, far. By I remember a many, many years ago, I purchased a barbecue and this random text message comes through with his recipe for chicken on the barbecue. <laughs> yes. Completely unsolicited. Oh. He's just chimed in there with his excellent chicken recipe. Yep. What a bloke. Yep. Super. What a bloke. And uh, hopefully we'll get to see him at a racetrack. Uh, well, maybe not this year with all the stuff because he's over in New Zealand now, but hopefully in 2021. Guys, we'll wrap it up there. Always great to catch up with you. Do we bother predicting who's going to win this weekend or do we just know it's going to be Scott McLaughlin marching on to his 51st, second and third race wins? Or Jamie oh. Winkup. No, I've got a really good meme lined up for a Scotty win, so I kind of hope that he does just <laughs> to save the meme arm. Uh, before we go, Lex Kelly. Oh. I mean, we have to talk about it. It made the power rankings, obviously. Oh, fantastic, wasn't it? What a superstar. Didn't yeah. it light up Friday night socials as well? Didn't it? Yep, absolutely. He asked the questions that needed to be asked. Yeah, and we broke the news. Thank you very much to our informant uh, within... No, I won't say he's within Supercars Media. That'd give it away too much. But uh... <laughs> Let's just say that he's Mr... <laughs> David Undercliff. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 we, no, no, that's we, too obvious. Oh, damn. Uh, no, we, we really, um, yeah, we were proud to break that news that due to popular demand, Lex will be back. And it's proof, if anything, that supercars do actually care about what social media and, and the fans of the sport want. Yeah. Because they saw all the feedback on socials. They paid attention to Lex's starring appearance within a little package in Darwin 1 and brought him back and did a spot in pit lane for Darwin too, which was outstanding. If you haven't seen it, it's uh, embedded on a supercar social post. It's in the race talk uh, power rankings. Check him out. Very, very funny. And it's he actually can have been, a regular slot. It's been good trade for the power rankings too. It has. Yeah. Well, like, genuinely it has yes. kicked off today because yes. Lex is in it. <laughs> Correct. Absolutely. <laughs> so he's in it for the rest of the year. Locked in.
All right, boys, uh, we'll do it all again next week, and it will be the three of us again because it's not Dale's week next week, so he can get stuff. <laughs> he'll be he'll he probably be cooking or looking after. Oh, who knows? Changing diapers. One wonders. Oh, that's and, me. Yeah. Oh, is it? Sorry. <laughs> I get all these parents confused. Thanks, right, boys. Catch you next week, boys. Ciao. And we'll See catch ya. you next week as well. Thanks for joining us right here on The Grid.